Hello, 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 and welcome to another episode of For the Love of Sports. My name is Michael Raziel, and my guest today is Brandon Pelter. Brandon is the Broadcast Media Relations Associate. He does broadcast and media relations for the Fayetteville Woodpeckers, a single-A baseball team for the Houston Astros. Don't tell anyone. Brandon, it was so much fun to get to talk to. All the stops he's made along the way, what he's done, and I've never had really the opportunity to hang out with someone in the play-by-play world, and especially in baseball with such a long season, and getting to understand kind of how that world works, what he did to get there, and and how quickly he knew he wanted to do it. Um, It was really cool, and it's also funny. He goes to, or he worked at the Somerset Patriots, which is an independent baseball league literally no joke about 15 minutes from where i live maybe less depending on traffic so it's kind of cool we have a little little bonding moment over that it was pretty interesting so i hope you all enjoy this episode with brandon pelter Always just like making sure I have everyone's name right. So today I have Brandon Pelter, currently or soon to be, I don't know how we're going to say it, broadcast media relations with the Fayetteville Woodpecker single, high single A you said, right? Yep, advanced high A. Single a. Advanced A with the Houston Astros. We aren't going to make any jokes this whole episode, <laughs> I promise. Uh, with previous stops at the Somerset Patriots, which are near and dear to my heart. We'll get to that soon. Uh, you were at Penn State as a staff writer, an on-air talent, a general manager, play-by-play with the Yarm- Yarmouth, right? Yarmouth? Yep, Yarmouth, Yarmouth Dennis, Dennis, Red Sox. Red Sox of the historic Cape Cod Baseball League, PR staff for Super Bowl 52, intern at Westwood One, amongst others. Brandon, appreciate you hanging out with me today, man. Yeah, thanks for having me. It's uh, certainly a good way to spend some time on this uh, this afternoon. Yeah, it's gloomy. I don't know where you're located up here in the Northeast. Yesterday was okay. This weekend was incredible. Today sucks. It's like 45 and rainy, so not much we can do. Hop on a podcast. Enjoy it, man. Take advantage of it. So, Brandon, the first question I have for everybody on the For the Love of Sports podcast, man, is why do you love sports so much? That's a great question. Um, I'm I'm sure there's not one answer. For me, it's kind of different, I think, than a lot of people. You've got a lot of people that it's a family thing, you know, dads, especially with sons. Um, But in my case, it it wasn't that at all. Uh, neither of my parents are really that into sports. I have an older brother. He's seven years older than me. He's not that into sports. So to be honest with you, I don't know what first attracted me to them. Uh, but from a young age, I was always into it. I uh, played baseball ever, really, as long as I could remember. Um, played some football, played a little bit of everything. So I, I don't know what first got me into it. But boy, there's nothing like competition. Absolutely, man. And yeah, I mean, you liked it enough to want to work in this crazy, crazy industry and not only just work in the industry. I mean, like, how many people do you think look up to Michael K? You know, I'm here in the the New Jersey area. um, Mm -hmm. And, you know, think like, how cool would it be to be Michael K? Well, it takes a really, really long time to become the play by play man of the Yankees. Uh, And as you can see, he's there for 20 whatever years. John Sterling's there for like, it feels like 100 at this point. so there's only so many of those jobs to go around. Uh, so I'm always just curious, I guess, did, was, was play-by-play, was broadcasting something you always wanted to do? Did you, did you test it out at a young age or like, wait, I do like being on a camera. This is fun. Like, how did that happen? Yeah. So, I, I mean, I, I think I'm like everybody where the dream is always to play. 
Um, and then there comes a time where it's like, eh, that's, that's not really going to work. And um, it's funny that you brought up Michael Kay. I'm, I'm in New York and uh, I grew up a Yankees fan. And so it was about two weeks before I started high school and I was watching a Yankees game and started to think, how can I do this? Um, mm-hmm. And I, I talked to my parents and they didn't really know they're not in the industry at all. Um, and so it just, uh, just so worked out that in high school um, in the tri-state area up here in the Northeast, they had MSG varsity for a short time, which was devoted to uh, high school sports. And, um, and they had a pretty good connection with, with my high school, Somers high school. Um, and so my first couple of weeks in high school as a freshman got started with that and, and really never looked back. Wow, that is super. I remember MSG Varsity. Um, yeah. yeah, I'm in the MSG area. Like, I remember that. And not until you said it, though. I told, would have never remembered it unless you said it. And that's super cool. And I mean, that is that is awesome, man. I mean, was it was it a particular game? Was it you were just watching? You're just like, man, I just just want to be immersed in this for the rest of my life. Yeah, it, it was just, uh, I, I like to think of myself as a relatively self-aware person and not that I was a terrible athlete, but I certainly wasn't top of the line. Um, so it, I don't know, something just clicked and I had the realization, you know, I'm not going to be playing forever. Um, and I, I always had that passion for sports. So how could I keep it going? Um, and, and I've always kind of been enamored with that play-by-play sense. So just kind of putting two and two together uh, as, as, kind of turned into what my what my life work hopefully will be i'm crossing my fingers for you man i'm a big mets fan so i'm not really a yankees fan so if you get to kick michael k out that's totally fine with me man that's totally fine with me i could say i remember him when um and then so so those four years in in high school i'm assuming how long did how long was msg uh varsity around for so that probably if i remember correctly only took me into my sophomore year okay um and the best part of that was just having a place to put games that I was doing. So if, if I got a couple of friends to shoot a game and I was doing play-by-play football, whatever the sport was, we could put it on their website, which was great to actually have something to do. Um, and so that took me into that sophomore year, like I said. Um, and from there, then things didn't work out financially for them. Uh, so they went off the air. But by that time in my high school Um, I had kind of, I don't want to say made a name for myself, but made it clear that this is what I wanted to do. And this is what I was doing. And I was really the only person um, doing it in Somers. So our athletic director at Somers, Roman Catalino, realized, uh, and he recommended one that I write for our local paper doing some sports. So I started to do that with the Somers record. And then also in Somers, we had an educational access channel. Um, that I know a lot of uh, a lot of areas will have for cable, and so I started doing some work play by play. I would do interviews uh, after each season with some captains of the teams, and then work would go there. So that was really cool, and um, that wasn't neither of them really were my idea. It was mm-hmm. just somebody saw the work that I was doing, they thought I was doing decent work, and and wanted to uh, continue it. Shout out that athletic director, man. That is super cool. I mean, it's a great idea on his part. And, uh, you know, again, you, you, you rolled with it. I think that that part is, is really interesting. And, and it's always, I always like looking back and kind of starting at the beginning of stories. Cause you can kind of see where that fork in the road is a little bit. And clearly mm-hmm. the opportunity with MSG varsity, nowhere else, like very little places in the country have that opportunity. Right. So it's yeah. really cool that, and you only got it for a year. Right. So like, it's, mm-hmm. it's still really cool that you, you know, you were able to grasp it and, 
say like, wait a second, I do love this. Let's go. And then you're able to kind of take off from there. My next question is how hard was math class knowing you didn't care about it at all? <laughs> um, well, I, I've always I'm been kidding. a I'm relatively kidding. good worry. student. Don't worry. Um, so high school wasn't too bad. College took a little, <laughs> took a little bit of a turn, but I, I hear you. I mean, everybody's got to do those gen eds in yeah. college. Um, and, and I think everybody struggles the same. Exactly. I'm just busting chops, man. I just think that's kind of funny. Um, so going into college, going into Penn State, you only graduated in 2019. So yeah. like a year ago at this point. So with that, like going into it, did you, did you just like, how, how does that process work? How do you, like, you don't just show up and you're like, I'm the play-by-play guy now because I'm yeah, sure there's no. four years of people in front of you. So how does that process work just to kind of get integrated into the student life system? That's a great question, especially at a big school like Penn State or really any of the powerhouse broadcast schools that you think of, you know, Syracuse and, oh boy, too many Syracuse people yeah. in the industry. <laughs> but yeah, Northwestern uh, and, and so many schools now are, are really big into broadcast. Um, and so many people want to do it. I think not only in college, but it's kind of the same mindset when you get out into the industry. But really, it's just the way I look at it is control what you can control hit the ground running, you know, prove to people you can do good work because that's what got me um, to continue in high school. The AD saw I was doing good work and he wanted to continue that to promote the school. So I think in the same token, continue to grind, do whatever you can and and prove yourself. Um, and, And I think that goes a long way, whatever the job is, if you're willing to do whatever you're asked more opportunities are going to come your way, make the most of them do really good work and more are going to come. I do. Uh, I mean, that's the best way to think about it, especially in a career like sports. Um, mm-hmm. Most people, we all say we want to work in it. And then come Sunday at one o'clock, are you working or are you just right. drinking beer and eating chicken wings with your friends? Yeah. Like, it's not a bad thing. I love beer and chicken wings with my friends and I love football. <laughs> um, but there's also, again, that extra layer, like how, especially being young and, and starting to realize that, especially in college too, like, all right, like I'm not, at game day i'm working game day like i'm mm-hmm. not you know how did right. you kind of handle that especially so young when all your friends are going out getting you know having having a good time right yeah I, well i think a lot of it is just i was focused and knew what i wanted to do so um you know a lot of people go to to especially college and aren't quite sure of their track i knew this is what i wanted to do so i got involved with as many organizations as i could i sought out older um students to get their advice and and even to this day, still keep in touch with people that I first met when I was visiting Penn State. And then they helped me out once I became a student at Penn State. So that was a huge thing for me, kind of gave me, I think, a little bit of a leg up. I knew what I wanted to do. The other part uh, of your question there, it's tough, but realizing I'm not a fan uh, is, is a big part to it. And um, for me, as much as I loved watching Penn State football games from the student section, I, I would choose to call that game 10 out of 10 times I'd give up my ticket for a credential every single time I think it just comes down to the passion uh, that I have for for what I want to do that's awesome man yeah that, I think that's that's a huge hurdle for a lot of people uh, getting into the sports industry like unless you're gonna work a specific nine to five job somewhere like you're not, that means you're not with a team most likely you're not doing a lot of things um you know, as, as interesting as you get to do, which is kind of cool. So it's always, it's always fun to listen. And, and again, just going back to your point before, like knowing exactly what you wanted to do, putting your head down, grinding and doing literally anything that comes your way. I mean, as of last year, you were here in Somerset and yeah. as of next year, you're going to be in Fayetteville. Like, yeah. uh, you know, it's a, you know, moving around Cape Cod league. So 
give me the um so you again you, you had some pretty cool internships you were at penn state what which came first like being on radio at penn state did you get one of these internships at westwood one keystone sports like how how did the, give me the timeline a little bit let's go through this in chronological order if you don't mind all right yeah no no uh no problem i got to penn state and the one of the kids that had uh, given me tours and I had kept in touch with when I was a senior in high school, uh, Tyler Feldman, who's now a, uh, a sports reporter um, in, in North Carolina. Tyler was a sports director with the student station, with Com Radio, which, which I think is great. And for any perspective, um, students that want to get into this industry, you have to get hands-on experience. Even if you don't know what you want to do, that's how you're going to find out what you want to do is by actually doing it. So whether it's with the student newspaper or radio station, uh, certainly, certainly just get involved. But um, Tyler really helped me out and guided me a lot. Um, and, and as I mentioned before, I was willing to do kind of whatever I needed to. So we, we did uh, some writing for the student station, um, some talk shows, um, board hopping games, really whatever I needed to do. Um, and then as I think some of the upperclassmen realized I was serious about it, it was probably late uh, my first semester, two of them pulled me aside and, and told me um, about a show that was starting that was the Keystone Sports Network. I believe. Um, and that was hosted by Brian Tripp at the time, who's the voice of Penn State hockey um, and Penn State baseball. So Brian was just getting that radio show going off the air and they thought it, that I would be a really good, good fit for that. Um, and I did that my spring semester. And in the midst of that, I, I uh, was interviewing for Westwood One Sports, um, which was another upperclassman that saw I was doing really good work. I really loved what I was doing. He had done this uh, previously, the internship, and so he recommended me there. Um, so that was the summer after my freshman year. Okay. Um, and that was uh, probably one of the most beneficial experiences mm -hmm. uh, that I've had just because I mean, when we talk about Westwood One, that's the Super Bowl on radio. Yep. That's the March Madness tournament. That's uh, the Masters. At a time, they had baseball. I mean, it, you want to know about it, or you want to know that broadcaster? They they know them. Um, so that was a huge, huge experience that to really is, propel me in the right direction. That is awesome, man. And yeah, I can just hear Kevin Harlan's voice right now telling yeah. me that I'm listening to Westwood One. Like I do love it. <laughs> He's amazing, especially he all the the Thursday night. So, uh, and Sunday night games, if I'm not mistaken, are all there yep. um, here where I am uh, on the fan where you are as well. Uh, so I guess first I want to point out something just for everyone listening is, as you said, you didn't, you didn't really go and ask for these. It doesn't sound like it sounds like you just put your head down, as you were saying before grinding and people noticed that yeah. like, Hey, okay. This isn't just a guy who's, yeah, he said he wants to do it, but he's not going to put in mm -hmm. the work. You clearly very much put in the work and people pulled you aside. It sounds like that is amazing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's not definitely not always how it works. Of course um, not. You know, but... I think that, that I, I'm not a person that just believes in things happening by chance. Uh, my grandfather always tells me you create your own luck. hundred percent. Right? So you control what you can control. You work as hard as you can. Um, and, and you do everything possible. You do it the right way. That doesn't mean things are always going to work out because there's certainly been plenty of times where, where they haven't. But, uh, but I think you do things the right way and it just tends to work out. And, and that's how it was for me. 
I, I totally agree. I don't believe in luck. Um, I do agree. You create your own, like you could have easily went to the games with your friends instead, but again, right. You did not. And you put yourself in a better situation. You, you're, you have a better chance of getting lucky air quotes mm-hmm. while at work than you do, right. you know, drunk with your friends on a Saturday <laughs> watching the game. It's like a very easy, you know, correlation. So I think that that, that part is awesome. And again, you know, just the opportunity to work with, as you said, the voice of Penn State hockey, the voice of Penn State baseball, and then, you know, the time at Westwood one, I guess, what did you, what was the biggest thing you took away, especially so early in your career, you know, again, going back to those forks on the road, what's the biggest thing you took away at such a substantial for such a substantial position at, you know, a nationwide known company? Sure. Yeah. I mean, the, the summer is their quiet time, as you can imagine. Um, there's not a whole lot going on. They had the College Baseball World Series in June, so I was helping uh, with some stuff there. Um, and a lot of the, the rest of the summer was archiving different things, making copies of CDs, not necessarily fully hands-on broadcast work. But the, the biggest thing for me was the end of my summer in 2016 was the Rio Olympics. And they also were carrying that and had a ton of wow. coverage there. Uh, so that was my last two to three weeks of the internship. And at the big advantage to the summer is with not as much going on, a lot of the higher ups are, are very readily available in the office. You can go and chat with them. So I made uh, use of that time earlier in the summer. And then as we got closer to the Olympics, um, I was just willing to, to stay. I mean, my last week I stayed every night, probably till like 10, 11 o'clock, not because I needed to, um, but just because I saw that as an opportunity, one, to, to kind of prove myself and do whatever they needed me to do. But also that late at night, then those higher up people are a little more available. They were still in the office and it gave me a really, really good chance to, to shore up the bond uh, that, that we had created. And um, it, like I said, it continues to pay off even to this point. Still networking, still networking. That's the way you got to do it, man. There's people in, in good places. If you become friends with them, they're, uh, yeah. they're going to remember, you're going to remember, <laughs> help them out, add some value as you did. Uh, I think that's fantastic. So with, um, with those two internships, did you then, when did you start to, so then you come back to Penn State, so that's your sophomore year, if I'm not mistaken, correct? Mm-hmm. Like what, how, how increased was your role that next year? Did you uh, start being on air a little bit more? Did you start writing so, a little more? How'd that work? Yeah, so I had already been on air some, and at Penn State, I think one of the great things is, um, it's not like some other schools where you have to really wait and sit in the corner and wait, wait, wait till you get your opportunity. Uh, you do. I did get some my freshman year. Um, and then uh, by the start of my sophomore year, I was actually on staff uh, with our radio station. So I was um, an editor overseeing our written content uh, to begin my sophomore year. Um, we have, uh, we have, or the station still has, I should say, a management team of students that's, usually about 15 or so students that oversee um, each of the departments. So I was there, uh, which certainly was, was an increased role. Um, I was the only sophomore on the staff that semester. Um, and I think then responsibility certainly picked up from the editor standpoint, but also then you're a little higher up and can work your way into some games. I did call uh, two football games and then, the third my sophomore year was the Big Ten Championship um, when wow. Penn State won. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, for the first time in that in that championship game area. Um, 
and again, I, I just, I, the opportunities were there for me to prove myself and I took advantage of them um, and, and things really worked out. So that's the Rose Bowl year, right? Yeah. Yep. Oof. That was the Rose Bowl year. So that I missed out on going to the Rose Bowl game, Oof. but I did get a big 10 championship. That's still sweet. Complain. Yeah. Oh no. I'm just, I'm just trying to remember kind of my timeline. So I, I used to be a really big Penn state fan. Not, not so much anymore. Um, going to Rutgers now. Now we have a, mm-hmm. a real rivalry <laughs> on our hands, but um, no, I just remember that game. Uh, just the Hewitt, that game was just absolutely insane. Um, good, good time. So that is fantastic. So uh, you get some huge opportunities. When does the, when did you start to, call i guess games you know, in the in the cape cod league when did that opportunity come about so the cape um was funny because that actually was a branch out of westwood one um toward okay. the end of my time there and i was talking about those late nights with uh with their executive producer howie Deneroff, just talking to howie about next steps and what i should be doing and if you want to be a broadcaster well, you got to call games. You have to get better at calling games. Um, so how rocket up, science, man. Yeah. How he brought up the Cape, which I knew of, but hadn't, I guess, put two and two together of, Hey, they, they have interns calling games every summer. Um, and it just so happened that he put me in touch with somebody that was with Yarmouth Dennis with YD, um, the previous summer. And I got in touch with him over the summer. Um, that summer while I was with Westwood one and come September, October, he reached out and said, Hey, um, I'm an outgo. I'm the outgoing intern, uh, broadcaster, and I'm, uh, helping out with the hiring process with some of your stuff. Um, so again, we already had kind of exchanged a little bit, uh, and, and that certainly went a long way to, uh, me landing the gig with YD and my two summers on the Cape, which whew, two of the best, yeah. no doubt. I guess, yeah, hanging out on Cape Cod could be worse, right? Yeah. Like, it could <laughs> yeah. definitely be worse than that. And I, and I guess what were those first, like, I mean, you already had experience calling games in some mm-hmm. capacity, but what was it like? Like now it's, it's not college anymore. Now this is a job. Like now right. this is like super legitimate. Like how, how did that feel? And how did you kind of deal with that? A little, I mean, extra pressure, maybe, I don't know. You probably have more people listening to the Penn State games than anything, but I mean, what was that like? Well, I think you go from, as a college student, at least I went from calling games here and there, you know, one every couple mm-hmm. of weeks to every single day calling baseball, um, which was awesome. I loved it. Uh, and, and as anyone that has gone through a baseball season can tell you, like there are rigors to a season. But the great thing about the Cape is, um, in my experience, I didn't need to be to the field until, you know, I would usually get there a little bit before BP started. So I had the whole morning, I would actually work in the mornings, um, cause the internship with YD was unpaid. Uh, so I'd work, I would get back, pack my stuff up and go to the ballpark, uh, and just get to know the guys and call a game. But certainly it's, you know, I don't want to say it's more professional because I think even in college, I treated things really professionally. Um, but I think just more opportunities to be a real broadcaster, mm-hmm. to be a team broadcaster, to get to know the guys, to get to know the coaches. It had more of that to it. Um, so I, I guess it was more true to the broadcast mm-hmm. role, if that makes sense. No, exactly. And I, 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 I appreciate you putting it like that. It's not more professional, right? Like you were professional before, but as you said, it's, it's more of an opportunity to kind of get into that routine and especially with baseball. I mean, that's my favorite thing. I'm totally cool with watching a Mets Marlins game in the middle of July, just because mm-hmm. Keith Hernandez is going to say something that's going to make <laughs> me laugh. Right. It's just one of those things where I spend so much time watching Mets games um, you know, it's like that Howard Stern effect. It's like the Mike Francesa and, and uh, Christopher Russo effect where you feel like you're starting to know these people on like more yeah. than just like a, 
hey, you talk at me about baseball. It's like, no, mm-hmm. like I, we hear about your cats and like what they're getting, the shenanigans <laughs> they're getting into kind of thing. So I think especially with baseball, more so than any other sport, um, hockey a little bit and, uh, and basketball a little bit, but baseball the most because there's just so many games. You spend so much time mm-hmm. with the people on the TV. It's just crazy. It's To me, it's the most romantic sport in that sense where you truly have a relationship. You know, there's that downtime for me to talk about the hot dog stand, which I can smell coming my way and how I love, you know, whatever my condiments are. Like there is that time. And um, I I think you bring up a a really good point. That's one of those things that separates a, a great broadcaster is, are they talking at you or is this a conversation? Even though it's really a one way deal, is this a conversation? And are we getting to kind of know each other, even though again, it's one sided, that's what makes, in my opinion, a really, really good broadcaster. And that's something that I'm still working on now is how do you create and be a person as Mm -hmm. opposed to just somebody that talks about the game, because Mm -hmm. that's, that's not all that it is. Absolutely. No, especially in baseball again. Um, you know, and that's my fa- I mean, I answer Keith Hernandez all the time, like as if we were <laughs> having a conversation. So don't get me wrong. Uh, you know, they have it down. I do obviously bias, but I do think, you know, the Mets broadcast, I watch a lot of baseball. I think the Mets broadcast is incredible. Just those guys, Ron Darling, Gary Cohen, Keith Hernandez, again, very biased, but I'm, I'm very grateful for the, the time I get to spend with them every summer. And it's weird this summer so far, you know, tomorrow is supposed to be opening day as of recording. So it stinks, yep. but it is what it is. We keep on rolling, man. And I guess, so what, what did you, you know, you kind of went over it before a little bit, but what was your favorite part about doing this daily? Like, what did you learn about yourself again? Now, again, I don't, can't remember the word exactly used. It's not more professional, but it's Mm -hmm. more, you know, like the opportunity to be like, okay, I'm, I'm a baseball broadcaster every single day. Well, what I realized, which was great. And I was hoping would be the sense is that I could do it every single day. I mean, again, there are people that, oh, I want to be a broadcaster and this is fun to do every once in a while. But when it's day after day, especially um, when I was, you know, up, I worked a job. My first summer was 5 to 10 a.m. I worked like three or four days a week. So that was that was tough. And then I would go home, take a little nap, go to the ballpark. Um, so just doing that for a month and a half, two months on an everyday basis was to me, hey. I could really, really do this. And then this past summer um, in Somerset, a full 140 game season, realizing again, okay, I did it on a small scale of 44 games. Now I could do it extended for a five month stretch. I'm good to go. If I can get through baseball season, I can get through any other sport because that's the longest, most monotonous stretch. That's a great point. Um, and that is cool. I'm glad you brought up your time with the, uh, with the Patriots. I think again, uh, so the Patriots are near and dear to my heart. My uncle mm-hmm. works for the team, uh, Dave Merrick, shout out Dave, such a cool <laughs> dude. Um, and you know, I was going to Somerset Patriots games. I honestly can't remember how young I was. Like my brother and I were so young. Spucky Lyle was still the coach. I don't mm-hmm. honestly know how long he was the coach for, but it feels like it was a long time ago at this point. So he was a cool dude. And, and you know, the Somerset Patriots, I live, almost a stone's throw away right now where I'm sitting in my basement. So I just thought it was kind of funny that, you know, you were, you you know, we connected on LinkedIn and you have this really cool job. I mean, what was that like then going to the Patriots? And as you said, kind of having this, you know, every every day for 44 days is one thing every day for 140 days. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's half a year, man. That's, that's time commitment. Well, I, I have a similar, um, 
I guess, childhood attachment to Somerset, uh, as you do. I actually grew up and was in Hillsborough, New Jersey uh, until I was 12, and then we moved um, over to New York. So I also grew up going to Patriots games, and I have pictures of me on the field singing national anthems or in Cub Scout night or um, going to the ballpark and, and meeting Sparky Lyle and, and all those guys and taking plenty of pictures with Sparky the mascot. So um, that was one of the coolest parts for me. I mm-hmm. hadn't been back to uh, TD Bank Ballpark since, uh, again, I was, you know, 10, 11, 12 years old. So um, that would be eight, nine nine, almost 10 years ago mm-hmm. um, from when I, when I started with them. So when I uh, interviewed and had that opportunity, that was the most special thing for me and going back and, and seeing the stadium, remembering um, yep. some moments there and just remembering the scoreboard. It's, it's uh, that really stuck out to me, especially. Um, and then also Sparky Lyle, who, as you mentioned, was the manager, I want to say from when they got started in 98, Eight until 2012 when uh, 2013 Brett Jody took over who's the current manager um, Sparky was a Yankee among plenty mm-hmm. of other teams he's still manager emeritus so Sparky would be in uniform at every single home game and getting to know him and hearing his stories um, and his time in, in professional baseball and even in the Atlantic League too that was really special getting to know the guy Sparky Lyle yeah. not just the player and oh mm-hmm. I'm a fan and I love you Sparky but just talking to him as a person that was really special it is so cool baseball players I love I mean baseball is my favorite hands down it's not even a question and uh, I'm, I'm always so angry that MLB is terrible at marketing their baseball players so hopefully there's something you and I can do about that one of these days uh, give us enough time we'll figure out something but no man I just remember like jose canseco um when he started playing for the newark bears i just remember Mm -hmm. you know my uncle calls up my mom he's like what are you guys doing today it was like the middle of summer so nothing so he's like come to the ballpark jose canseco's on the newark bears and you know i got i can get you guys tickets and we're like okay i was young enough i didn't really care or know but looking back on it it was so cool i got got a ball signed by jose canseco is he the best person on planet earth no but he's super famous in the baseball world so it's like it was kind of cool that some of those things and that's why i always love like these independent leagues and like these smaller just like kind of like hometown teams where all of these opportunities, I went to a game last year. Um, Andy Chavez was playing for like the Maryland blue crabs or something. That's insane. Andy yeah. Chavez is, has one of the greatest catches of all time, in my opinion, mostly because it happened in, you know, game six, of the NL NLCS against the Cardinals for the Mets. So again, a little bias. Um, Josh Tolley was there and, you know, he was the catcher for R.I. Dickey during both of his, you know, his back-to-back one hitters on the Mets. So like just seeing like these, these old MLB guys that I used to watch all the time now that, you know, hanging out, they're still making money. Good for them. But like, I can go see them. They still, they still do relatively well too, which is kind of cool seeing like they still got a little mm-hmm. strut in their step, but um, now I have a sweet spot for those like Atlantic, the Atlantic leagues and like, um, you know, the independent baseball leagues, I think, you know, hopefully with all like the minor league baseball stuff, everything kind of works itself out in some capacity. Yeah, I'm but hoping so. We, uh, we will definitely see. And so I guess with the, the Patriots, not only what, what was, you only did like four innings, correct? Like, right. what, so, explain um, how that it was, was. So, uh, especially in minor league baseball, you usually have the number one broadcaster or the di- broadcast director or whatever title you want to put on it. It's usually a director of broadcasting. And then the number two, which is known as the broadcast and media relations assistant. So, I was the number two in Somerset and in Fayetteville. I'm going to be uh, the number two there as well. Um, it started out 
calling the middle three innings. Um, and then uh, as time went on um, and, and I built a, a pretty strong relationship with the number one, Mark Schwartz, then my role expanded into four innings. Uh, the end of the season, I went on two of the last three road trips uh, solo as opposed to uh, Mark going. So that was a really great experience, really fun, challenging, learned a lot, I think. Um, but then the other part of the job is the media relations part. So doing game notes every day, um, press releases, recaps, all that kind of stuff. Uh, the job is is really pretty intense, um, pretty labor intensive, oh. spending a lot of hours at the Absolutely. ballpark. But, you know, again, it goes back to loving every minute of it and really wanting to do this. Where would you rather be than the ballpark? I mean, come on. It's got like, come on. Where would you rather be, you know, fresh cut grass? It's the best popcorn beer. I know you don't get to drink that much beer while you're on the, <laughs> on the but I love it. And that's the best part. Um, so I have a question for you about the Somerset Patriots. A video went very, very viral last mm-hmm. year or the year. Was that? <laughs> yeah, it was last year. No, no, that was no? Mark. Um, okay. That was Mark. Because that was amazing. And that was, I think. I think, and I don't quote me on this, but I think the data that was like May 16th and it was early to mid May. And I graduated um, the first, after the first full week of May. So maybe I graduated the ninth, 10th around there. And I think it was the 16th. So that was like my first full week. That was one of the first home games that I was there for. And, uh, and I was in the booth and um, as anyone that works in minor league baseball knows any staff that's like not currently essential to the game continuing when it looks like it's going to rain, they get called down um, to be ready to pull the tarp. So there was a tarp call. It looked a pretty ominous, really dark cloud. So I'm running down to get called out of the booth and run down waiting there. Um, and, and in uh, TD bank ballpark, our booth is a little bit up the first base side and behind home plate. And the tarp is all the way in left field down the left field line. Um, so I, I race all the way down there and I'm not there for more than a minute, two minutes when we see that foul ball and it pops into the booth and I go, I, I turned to, to somebody else on the staff. I said, did that just, did that just go into the booth? Is, did Mark catch that? And here he is popped out the window. He's, he's showing the ball. Yeah. He's, um, he, <laughs> he's saying everything that made that video really go viral, but that was my first or second week on the job. Um, and, and I would have been in the booth if it were not for that tarp uh, call, but, but it was, it was really cool to see, um, that, because Mark in his personality is what made that so special. Um, I mean, he said, boy, am I impressive? What a play by me. You know, not many people would, would play it off like that. I know I wouldn't have. Um, and so that was really cool, uh, getting that going and then see it just take over. Oh my just goodness. Yeah. Seeing it on Jimmy Kimmel, um, seeing him on sports center was really cool. And that was a, a really starting the internship off with a bang. That's yeah, man. I just remember when that was happening because they, it nowhere in most of the videos, you don't see the Somerset Patriots or anything anywhere like that. Right. I didn't yeah. see it. And I was, I was watching, I was like, those uniforms, man, that looks mm-hmm. super familiar. And then I watched it a couple of times. And I was like, that's totally the mm-hmm. Somerset Patriots. And then I look again, you can see the picture in the way has a page. And I was right. like, Holy crap, no way. And, uh, well, you and know, I, the interesting note with that is that only, work that only took off because uh, the beat writer Mike Ashmore who writes for the Trentonian uh, among um, a bunch of different outlets Mike was sitting behind home plate to capture some footage on 
his camera, and he followed the ball for whatever reason and got Mark catching it. So if we didn't have that great video, that never, never would have gone anywhere um, because our camera feed was just a single camera in the booth that was next door to us facing the field. So we wouldn't have had Mark catching the ball or anything. It, it just all worked out so well. That is awesome. I just remember him like catching and he'd be like, did anybody get that? And he just like points to the crowd. He's like, yes, we got it. We got it. All right. And I just like, that is too funny, man. And I just, I think it's, it's so, it's so cool. And again, just leads back to how much fun these independent baseball leagues are, you know, we got to support them. So I'm excited. Going to go to a few games this year, whenever things starts back up. Um, so very, very excited. And then, as you said, you were also doing a lot of like daily content. And I saw you mm-hmm. got into a little bit of the the marketing strategy and maybe that's where you got to hang out with my uncle Dave a yeah. little more. Um, yeah. What, what was the, like, how, is this just you saying yes to a lot of things? Is there a reason you wanted to start to get into the marketing side a little bit? How does, how does that work and why? Sure. So I think part of it is, um, just to continue in this industry, you have to be open to doing it all. So if anyone asks, yeah. Um, and then the other part of it is that is part of my job working with social media. And that's where a lot of the marketing stuff comes into play, coming up with some ideas. And Dave, your uncle, he's, he is one really, really good at his job, but he thinks out of the box, unlike anyone that I've come across. And he comes up with great ideas. He embraces a lot of different ideas that people might write off. Um, Like we were talking about doing Pokemon Go, which we didn't do Mm -hmm. last season, um, but I think they're going to do it this season. He was able to get in touch with somebody who could put more Poke stops in and around the stadium. I don't know how he did it, but but I digress. Anyways, um, yeah, willing to do different things. Um, and also, you know, for, for kind of my benefit is just, I need to be really valuable. That's how I'm going to get my next job. And I don't want to, um, take away from broadcasting cause it's really hard to do. And so many people want to do it, but unfortunately that's not the most important thing to a team. A lot of times, you know, that's not going to bring in money to a minor league baseball team. You have to be able to do other things. Uh, so it's just willing to do it. Um, but also, you know, hoping to learn so I can, I can bring those skills elsewhere. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, exactly. Like that's one thing. Um, great, great advice I got for, from a friend and a mentor, you know, if, if you are an expense, you're going, they're going to find a way to get rid of you at some point. Mm-hmm. If you're just an expense, they're going to find a way. You have to figure out how to be a, a positive to the income, to the revenue stream in some capacity. And the more you can do, the better that is. And hundred percent totally agree with you. Whatever the most important, especially when we're talking about these lower level minor league baseball teams, anything to bring in an extra couple bucks is super, super, super helpful. Um, so let, I want to hop back to your time at Penn State a little bit because we really only got through those first couple of years. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I, I also saw that you were general manager of the student-run radio yep. station. What exactly does that mean? And how, how much time did that take away from actually being on air? Uh, good question. So uh, the general manager, I mentioned the management team of about 12 to 15 students runs the, the station. Um, the general manager is just kind of that top spot that oversees everybody. Um, so I went from editor the first semester of my sophomore year. Um, then we had an opening as a sports director, which I switched over to second semester of my sophomore year and stayed in uh, through my junior year. And then my senior year, I took over that GM spot where um, making all the key decisions um, for a lot of the bigger games, uh, football, especially working out the schedule, um, who gets what games, all that kind of stuff, uh, in addition to finding new things that we could do. Um, my senior year, uh, after I worked for the NFL at Super Bowl 52, 
my senior year, I worked it out so we could go back and cover it as a radio station. Um, we were on Radio Row, and then we were in the stadium and did post-game coverage. Uh, and I was really excited to see some of my friends from the station go back and continue that tradition and do that this year. Um, so it's just really running the station like a station manager would um, in any other capacity. And it's certainly time consuming, uh, as you could imagine. Um, the good thing was class-wise things were kind of winding down. Um, and also I think at that stage in my senior year, um, I could get the reps and the games that I wanted to, but I also realized um, the, the people below me and some freshmen and sophomore and, and just how important it was for me when I was in that stage to get those reps, how much it meant. So making sure I passed the buck with that mm -hmm. as well. Of course. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's a really great point. You know, of, of course you probably could have done all the games that you wanted to do. Um, and I, I hope you took advantage of that occasionally, right? There's only so many times, um, you know, there's only so many games you get to do. So I hope you did take advantage, but very I, nice I did you. get to go to uh, the Citrus Bowl and call that game. Penn state lost to Kentucky, but it was a really, really good game. Um, and then a couple months later, went to the Super Bowl. So yeah, I, I think, I think things worked out. I think so too. And, and uh, yeah, let's talk. Well, Tell us a little bit about your um, time at the Super Bowl. What you were only—it was only—it was only a little bit of time, I think, right? So, what yeah. exactly did you do, and how 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 did you, I guess, get that gig as well? So, back to um, when we talked about at the top, getting into sports and all that. You know, my my parents not being huge sports fans, and my older brother not being huge sports fans, we didn't go to all that many live games. Um, we would go to Yankee Stadium. You know, maybe once, maybe twice a season as I got older and could try and persuade them. Um, football, we didn't really go to many games. So Super Bowl 52 was just the second football game I'd ever been to in my life. The second wow. NFL game, I mm -hmm. should say. Uh, college football is a different story. But the second NFL game I ever been to in my life, the first was a Monday night football game, uh, Eagles-Packers at the link. And after my Westwood One internship, they got me a credential to a Monday night game they were doing. So I was in the booth with Harlan, um, who Very I cool. mentioned you really like. But, uh, but anyways, as I was working um, at Penn State with the radio station, uh, Mike Poorman, who is the belief head of alumni relations for the College of Communications, um, we had a pretty good relationship. And Mike actually mentioned that the NFL will bring out a few Penn State students every year to the Super Bowl to help on the PR staff uh, because one of the uh, top PR people in the league is a Penn Stater. Um, so no other colleges really get to do this, which was awesome. Um, but yeah, Mike helped me go through the application process. Um, I know I leaned on a few other people to try and reach out for me. Um, and I, I got it. It was another one of those things where it wasn't on my radar. Never knew this would have been a possibility. Um, but because I had worked hard and, and been a, an accomplished student, um, the opportunity presented itself. And so I flew down to Minnesota, uh, two Fridays before. So about 10 days or so before the game. Um, and for the week leading up, worked out of the Mall of America, which served as the media center, um, worked in the credentialing um, section there, helping out media with whatever they needed. And then on game day, uh, I was in the stadium helping out media. There's so many media members for the, for the Super Bowl, as you can imagine. There's more than the press box. They have the press box, and then they take out a section of stands uh, that they call auxiliary press. Um, so I was over there helping people out. 
And then the last five minutes of the game was uh, actually on the field, um, helping out uh, and, and working with, uh, I was assigned an Eagles player. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was working with wide receiver Torrey Smith once the game ended. Yeah. I just kind of followed him, uh, watched him celebrate. But when it was time for him to, to uh, meet all his media responsibilities and all that kind of stuff, I made sure he got through that process. Very cool. Yeah, it was wild. It was ah, wild to say when, the least, man. when Brady fumbled late mm-hmm. in that game that I was on the Eagles sideline and I had like the perfect vantage point. <laughs> that that was is awesome. Un- yeah. Unbelievable. That really, is so really cool. awesome. Being from New York, I'm sure you hate Tom Brady. I'm sure you hate the Eagles, but all at the same time, man, <laughs> Hey, it is what it is, right? It was tough watching the Eagles win, but it goes back to separating yep. from a fan. You know, at this point, when I talk about teams that I root for, I usually talk about it in past tense because um, mm-hmm. I just kind of separate it all. So, you know, if I'm watching a football game and the Giants are on, yeah, that's the team I'm going to tend to watch. But uh, but I definitely was able to separate it um, and also take in the history of the Eagles winning and, and being at Penn state, having so many mm-hmm. Eagles uh, fans as, as friends, it was pretty special. It is. It's super cool. Again, like if there, that was like my least favorite Super Bowl Cause it's the teams I hate the most, both of the teams I hate the most. So <laughs> but just it was a great of, game. It was an incredible game. I will be the first, person. I love football in general. So like, if it's a good game, I'll be the first person to tell it to you, but man, <laughs> man, like, I wanted Eli to be the only quarter, you know, like that whole thing. And, you know, it is what it is. But, yeah, that, that must have been just an incredible experience for you. And, again, if that didn't lead to you saying, okay, I really have to separate these two things um, or I'm really not going to be able to do what I want to do. <laughs> or you could be like Hulk Harrelson and just be very upfront and honest about yeah. it. It's fine, too. That's fine, too. But, um, no, man, that must have been so cool. And I think that person that you were, you know, kind of escorting Tory Smith around, for lack of a better term, that is such a um, – there's such a fine line there. I think, as you said, like, Hey, like I'm going to let him get out. I'm going to let him celebrate. Mm-hmm. I'm going to let him do his thing. But you know, then I got to wrangle him in a little bit. And like, how, yeah. how did you kind of walk that line? Well, so it's, I would say the role really. Um, and the reason we're down there right as the game ends is because if you don't find them immediately and they get lost, a lot of times, you know, these guys aren't thinking about, Oh, I got to go to the media room. Yeah. Oh, I've got to do this. I've got to do that. They're thinking about, I want to see my family. I want to celebrate with my teammates and I don't blame them. Um, so that's why we're there right away. Right. As the game ends. And I was, down there I was a little nervous because you hear these stories of you know people not finding their guys and then they slip off and you know I I think if they don't meet their media responsibilities and they get fined and you know all all those kinds of issues so there were some times where that had happened but I found Tori right away I was I was happy I said hey Tori introduce myself I'm I'm your um, NFL PR rep I'll just be with you kind of trail behind you you want me to grab your helmet oh thanks man yeah sure grab it so I grab his helmet and actually the NFL tweeted out a video of him celebrating and I'm in the background ducking out of the way. Um, so that, that was kind of funny, but uh, as he was going around the field, again, just trailing him and there came a point where as they were getting ready to bring the trophy out, Tory went back by the stage where all the players were and was going back. And I hesitated. I, I thought, hey, do I belong back there? Can I go back there? And so I waited five, 10 seconds before I finally said, I got to stick with him. But those 10 seconds were just long enough for Tori to somehow slip away. So I couldn't find him for 
probably 10, 20 minutes. I mean, it was, oh. it was, it was a long stretch and I was getting really nervous and I'm circling the field, asking all the other PR people from these other teams um, that made up the rest of the PR staff teams that didn't make the playoffs, but asking them, Hey, have you seen Tori? Have you te- seen uh, Tori? Everybody's saying no. And as things start to settle down and the trophy was given out, I'm coming around into one of the end zones and there he is. He's with um, his kids with his wife and with uh, former Vice President Joe Biden, just tossing a little football around, celebrating. So everything right. worked out, um, and it was a really, really cool thing. <laughs> Again, something else I never really could have expected, but yeah, I found man. Tori. Uh, we got him through everything he needed to get through, and, and he went on and, uh, and celebrated the night away. So That's awesome. Really, he yeah, it was, it was he didn't get fined. You didn't get in trouble. No. <laughs> and the story ends with you hanging out with Joe Biden for a second. I mean, I whether you're political or not, that's kind of cool in some capacity, right? Yeah, right? no, like, that's, that's the thing. Regardless of yeah. politics, I mean, it's a vice president. When exactly. do you ever get to uh, get to do how, something like exactly. that? Exactly. How many people get to do that? So that mm-hmm. is that is super cool, man. And I just think that that's that is fantastic. Also, you learn something. Ask for forgiveness, not permission. <laughs> you go and you follow him. If right, that's your yeah. job, man, someone tells you to get out, then you get out. If not, whatever. You're right there on the stage with mm-hmm. him. It doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that's great too, man. And um, so, dude, your your story is just so cool. And I'm so glad I get that, this opportunity to just talk to you about it. And so um, now we're going to Quentin Tarantino. We're going to go back to the most recent <laughs> past. Um, so you were with the Somerset Patriots for a season. Mm-hmm. And now you are going down to Fayetteville. Uh, yep. Which Fayetteville? Because I know there's a couple. North- North, North Carolina. Carolina. Cool. So um, the, the awesome part about that is we're home of Fort Bragg right there. Um, so that, that makes up, you know, a lot of the economy, a lot of the population um, and the team, which just built the stadium last year, this is only their second season as the Fayetteville Woodpeckers. They spent 2017 and 2018 as the Bowie's Creek Astros playing at uh, camp, um, the uh, site of Campbell university. They played on their field. Um, and so they designed not only the stadium, but really so much of the team, they incorporated it with Fort Bragg and the special forces. Um, and it's really special. And, and I'm really excited to get to North Carolina whenever that may be and, and do my part, not only in, you know, bringing, ba- bringing baseball to, to the community, um, but also to, to our military. I think that's, that's really cool to, to yeah. mesh the two as much as they could. That is awesome. And yeah, I think that opportunity is so cool. Um, and how does, how, so, so you obviously, you know, with the Somerset Patriots, you clearly gained some recognition, as you mm-hmm. said, with the the number one, I can't remember the exact titles for a broadcast director, right? Yeah. Director of broadcast yeah. number one, okay. you could, you cool, could use cool. whatever. Just trying to learn. I appreciate your time. <laughs> so, um, so it's obviously again, like you had the opportunity to go on road trips by yourself. You got that extra inning as, as time went on. What, why, what was the what was the advantage of moving on somewhere after a single season? Just out of curiosity. No, it's it's a good question, and um, I think you know at the end of the day, everybody wants to elevate to that number one role. So sometimes you do stay for a couple seasons as a number two. That's that's certainly normal. Um, but for me, I think first of all, uh, there was the opportunity to get into affiliated ball, and and indie ball is great, especially the Atlantic League with a lot of top talent. I would say it's it's like you know high double A, low triple A, really really good talent. Um, and also seeing the experimental rules last season was really cool and very different. Um, but just the the opportunity to get into affiliated ball um, and into a league in the Carolinas where there's I think a decent amount of turnover in number ones um, from season to season, hoping that. 
I could work there. I could do a good job there. And, and hopefully when the time is right, sliding to a number one role, whether it's um, with Fayfield or, or another team, whatever it really is, I, I just mm-hmm. saw the opportunity there to grow a little bit more. Yeah. And I, I think again, the, the opportunity to get into affiliated, I think makes the most sense. Again, like you, you eventually want to call the Yankees. You have to, you have to <laughs> write you as the players have to go from single to double to triple. I assume it's very similar for yourself yeah. as well. And, and another aspect of that is, you're going to be moving around a lot, right? Mm-hmm. Like there's, you know, there's not going to be a, uh, a home base for a little while or, or, you know, for the foreseeable future. How, how do you cope with that? Kind of knowing like you're never, you know, maybe during the winter you can go home and hang out with your family, mm-hmm. but you're really kind of going to be moving all around for, again, the foreseeable future a little bit. It's, it's tough. And I think I, I really got a good glimpse into it when I was on the Cape going back to that, you know, I would be in, in at college, be at school and I loved being at school. So I would never come home other than breaks. I wasn't the type of guy that would leave for a weekend to, to see my folks. Um, but I, as a school year would end in May, I went home two, three weeks, packed everything up. I went to the Cape for the summer, came back for two, three days, went back to school. Um, so I'm kind of used to that moving around. And it's definitely something challenging being away from family, being away from friends. But, you know, it's it's a part of the industry and something that I embrace. I'm really excited to get to North Carolina and experience a totally different lifestyle than I've had before. Um, I, the way I look at it is I'm, I'm 23 and uh, – if you want to say living in a state counts as, you know, staying in a state for two months counts as living there. I've lived in New Jersey. I've lived in New York. I've lived in Massachusetts, Pennsylvania, and North Carolina. That's, that's going to make five states. So I think that's pretty cool just that to, pretty to cool. bounce around. And when the time is right and when I get to a, a, a spot in my career where I'm sticking with one team season after season, then certainly settle down and, mm-hmm. and everything will work itself out. But for now, travel the country as I can. It's, it's really fun. Take advantage of it, man. Cause yeah, I mean, there's off days in a baseball season, right? I'm sure mm-hmm. you got things to do, but as you were saying before, like in Cape Cod league, you got a couple, couple mornings, couple, a mm-hmm. uh, couple, uh, you know, afternoons. Yeah. You could go out, hang out on the Cape a little bit. There's nothing wrong with that. So well-deserved man. And yeah, I mean, congratulations on the opportunity in Fayetteville. I think that is, is incredible. I did not make a single Astros joke to you this whole time as I <laughs> promised, as I promised. Um, but I just think it's so cool, man. And I guess like, there's so obviously I'm sorry if I'm, I'm just going to keep rambling. Cause this is, this is kind of fun for me. I, I, I really enjoy your story a little bit and it's always, it's always been interesting to me. So again, big Mets fan, Kevin Burkhart, you know, the sideline reporter, whatever you want to call him, media correspondent, he goes and he starts to do incredible things. Now he works on, you know, post-game and pre-game for the World Series for Fox. Yeah. And I remember him when he was interviewing the fan that just dropped their ice cream cone on their face. Like, how <laughs> cute is that? Like, like, what are the other opportunities for you to kind of be able to rise through the ranks rather than just hopping around a single A team after double A team? Like, are there other opportunities that you kind of look into to try and, you know, again, rise the ranks? Yeah, I think that... You know, it's a lot more difficult than it might come across on the surface. And like you mentioned, Kevin Burkhart, even to get to to the point that you're talking about when he was with the Mets, you know, it it took a really long time, took a lot of work. And and I know we're talking about a lot of the positives, which I love, you know, who doesn't like talking about the good things they've done in their life. There's a lot of tough parts to it too. In fact, that's a majority of it. And that's why while so many people want to do it, um, and want, want to do this. There are only so many that are really good, but even more so than that, there are only uh, so many that 
can ride it out and can work through the tough times. You know, to be perfectly honest with you, I got home from Somerset. I got back to New York, you know, in late September, uh, right about October. And there was a quiet spot where I didn't have work. And I was applying to these different minor league teams and wasn't hearing much back. And it gets really frustrating. But you know what? I stuck to my gun. I reached out to as many people as I could that, you know, I had relationships with to see if they could point me into the right direction. And sure enough, things kind of worked out. So, you know, I, I think that it's really just staying the course um, and believing in yourself uh, because there are a lot of great things that, that I've done and that so many people have done, but you have to be willing to work through the hard stuff to really get there. So to be honest, I know you mentioned you were rambling. That was my turn to ramble. Um, I don't know if I answered your question at all, but, uh, but yeah, it's actually back to your question. Um, For me, my goal next year is to get more college stuff in the fall and winter, Um, trying to work with local colleges, with New York, New Jersey, Connecticut, um, do some freelance stuff like that to really round it out. That was actually going to be my next question is, you know, like with, again, I, sorry, I keep going back to the Mets, but it's just, it's the, where I spend most of my time in the summers. And again, with opening day supposed to be tomorrow, I've been thinking a lot about him recently. Um, but like Howie Rose voice of the Mets, obviously on radio mm-hmm. and he does the uh, Islanders on TV. Like mm-hmm. what are, what are, you know, I, I know you've done a bunch of stuff back in college and now kind of just focused on baseball. Is that what you're going to be doing with some of these college teams trying to get into maybe a little basketball, maybe a little hockey, some football, Josh Lewin, again, Mets broadcaster, uh, or not anymore. And then he does, I think like the San Diego chargers or the Los Angeles chargers during the football season, which is crazy. So how do you kind of navigate that space as well? So that's, that's really my goal to be that, um, kind of broadcaster that's really versatile. Kenny Albert comes to mind. Mm-hmm. I mean, Kenny can call anything. Joe Buck, another guy that seems like he calls anything and everything in the big moment. Um, and it's all just about uh, finding those different opportunities in the downtime, staying busy. Uh, when I was in school for student radio, and then there were some opportunities for um, Big Ten and doing broadcasts their digital network uh, through the BTN Student U program, I did 14 different sports, um, everything from wrestling and volleyball and lacrosse to the big, big stuff, football, basketball, hockey, that kind of stuff. Um, so I just hope that I can kind of continue that. Um, and if, you know, the initial gig is calling volleyball, that's awesome. You know, volleyball is an awesome, really fun sport. And I didn't get to know it till I was at Penn State where it had, they have one of the best programs in the country. Same thing yeah. with wrestling. Um, but just realizing for me, well, yeah, at the end of the day, I'd love to call football and basketball and baseball. A lot of times the openings initially aren't there. Um, so you just kind of work your way and, and say yes to whatever comes along. And how, how do you learn those sports kind of on the fly? Again, baseball, basketball, football, we, we can watch, you can turn on mm-hmm. ESPN and one of those is probably on. Um, but volleyball, wrestling, especially, yeah, I know Penn State's women's volleyball team was nuts for a couple, mm-hmm. like 120 whatever wins in a row, which was really cool. But like, how do you go about learning those sports, learning about the players? And, and again, going back to what we talked about baseball, like really having that conversation, not just talking at me, but really making me feel like I'm a part of it as well well it's it's really challenging especially when you're new to a sport um your your focus or my my focus I should say when I was new to a sport was don't mess this up 
don't say something <laughs> stupid. You know, do I know the rules that this, what does this mean in volleyball case? You know, it's out. Um, and that kind of stuff. Don't say spike, uh, it's a kill in volleyball. Um, there were different opportunities to learn them each unique, uh, at Penn state, Russ Rose, as you mentioned with the women's team, Russ is a legend, Mark Pavlik, who coaches the men's team, uh, Penn state, one of not that many colleges that has a men's team, but Pav was, an unbelievable resource. And he actually would spend some of his free time to teach us, um, the younger members of the student radio station about the sport. That's um, awesome. So getting to know Pav was really cool. And also just, uh, watching as much as possible. I mean, the amazing thing about nowadays is, you know, you're in New Jersey, I'm in New York and we're here looking at each other and talking to each other, but you can pull up on the internet so many videos of whatever the sport may be. And just watch it. Listen to those broadcasters. Um, watch, watch just how the sport plays out. And if there's something that you don't know, then you look it up. Um, so that's part of it. Uh, finding, like I said, a resource like Pav was huge for me and asking him any questions that I had was big. Um, when it came to wrestling, that was another sport that I knew nothing of going to into school. Um, and then of course, while I was there, I saw Penn state win four national championships in my four years. Um, but I got to know Jeff Byers who does radio, um, for the Penn state wrestling team. And again, that's, uh, an instance where there aren't many schools in the country at all that have a radio broadcaster, uh, that does wrestling for them. But Jeff in his own right, Ironhead, Jeff Ironhead Byers, um, and he taught me the sport from the ground up, and there weren't a lot of people that were willing to learn the sport or cared to learn the sport, and so I slid in with a lot of really cool opportunities. In my four years at Penn State, I went to uh, the national championship duels three out of my four years, um, and I did a bunch of TV work for uh, BTN, their digital network. Um, it, there were a lot of cool opportunities, but again, it's, it's just embracing um, mm -hmm. the different stuff and using as many resources as you can find to learn. them. Awesome, man. This is uh, Brandon. This has been absolutely fantastic. I'm sure I have literally a million more questions for you, but I'm only <laughs> going to ask one more. I promise sure. this is the last one. What's your catchphrase? So I, I stick, I stay away from that. Um, oh, man. I think that in my view and for other people that do it and it works really, really well, you know, uh, I, I don't like to fall into that trap because especially a lot of my upbringing and calling games has been on radio. Mm -hmm. You know, not every home run is high and far and gone. There are line drives that leave the ballpark in a couple seconds. Um, like Mark Teixeira's couple, yep. how many years ago was that to beat the Indians? I'm just recalling that off the top of my head, a laser beam, you know? So I, I tried to stay away from that because look, like I said, it works for some people. John Sterling has been calling Yankees games for years and, and he is um, incredible and I'm sure he'll be in the hall of fame. And, and he has certainly left his mark. Um, but to me, I first of all, have always been a broadcaster that, you know, I don't want the spotlight on me. Mm -hmm. um, it's in my opinion, not about me. It's, it's about the guys on the field. That's who you all care about the guys and the girls out there. Um, that's who you want to hear about. So that's, that's how I try and, mm -hmm. you know, try and keep it. And sure. I want to let my personality shine through it. I told you that's something that I'm trying to work on and do better at, but still for the most part, um, it's about them. So I, I try to I like keep that. it that way. I appreciate that, man. That's always good. Yeah, we are we are watching. You know, it's it was funny, like with you know Tony Romo getting eighteen million dollars a year, and then ESPN's <laughs> trying to throw twenty million at Peyton yeah. Manning. He's like, 
I'm going to watch the game, guys. Mm-hmm. I don't care. Like, I'm going to complain if it's, you know, Troy Aikman calling another Cowboys game. I'm probably still going to watch it. Like, it's whatever. It's not a big deal. Um, it's just crazy, the money, man. So I'm, I'm crossing my fingers. Hopefully, I can say, wow, Brandon just got $20 million to call the Yankees every year. That's <laughs> that incredible. Yeah, Good that's for him, man. Happen, but... I love it. Awesome. Brandon, this was incredible. Sincerely appreciate your time. Brandon Pelter, Broadcast Media Relations, Fayetteville Woodpeckers, High Single A, Advanced Single A for the Houston Astros. Appreciate your time today, man. Yeah, thanks for having me. And and again, you know, to to any of the younger people listening um, to your podcast, you do really good work. But just know that while we talked about a lot of the positives, everything's not always positive. There's certainly going to be a lot of, of down um, moments trying to chase this career. And a lot of times where you question, hey, can I do this? Um, but just keep going. And, uh, and to anyone out there, if you really care, uh, my DMs are always open on Twitter. So certainly feel free to uh, to hit me up and, and I'll help out any way I can. Thanks for and having I, me. No, pleasure is all mine, man. I'll make sure to get all those links from you. So everything's going to be in the show notes. Don't worry, guys and girls. And I appreciate it. Thanks, Brandon. You got it. Thank you so much for listening to this episode with Brandon. As I said, he was so much fun to get to talk to and listen and and really hear about his story and get to ask him questions. So I'm very grateful I got that opportunity. Please make sure to follow Brandon on all of his socials. Everything is in the show notes. Please make sure to review us wherever you're listening. It only takes a couple seconds and it would be super, super helpful for what we're trying to do and how we're trying to build. And that's about it. So thank you all so much for your time. It's the only thing we don't get more of and I hope you make it a wonderful day.